welcome to Lions on Leashes. I am your host, Marissa. This is the first episode in the new year. If you are new to Lions on Leashes, here we spotlight strong women from all over the world who have pushed their own boundaries, proving that with inner strength and a dream, anything can be accomplished. For more information, go to lionsonleashes.com and follow us on Instagram at lionsonleashes. If you love us, love us, love us, and you love what you're hearing of these women, please jump over to Apple Podcast and write us a review and subscribe where you listen to this podcast. We are kicking off the first episode of 2022. Is Sahar Kashur, based in Los Angeles, California, is a technical animator at Walt Disney Animation Studios. She leverages her hybrid background in both art and computer science engineering to develop immersed experiences while infusing art and storytelling. She was previously a Walt Disney Imagineer and worked as a studio animatronics slash robotics engineer to bring beloved characters to life at Disney theme parks around the world. Her newest work is a film called Enchanto that came out on Thanksgiving and is working on TV shows such as Zootopia Plus and Baymax and a short all coming to Disney Plus. Outside her work, Sahar mentors others underrepresented groups in STEM and enjoys drawing, reading, writing, video games, and hiking in the mountains of Los Angeles. She is passionate about combining her love of art, technology, and storytelling to promote the social good and give back to others. Ultimately, she hopes to use technology as her medium to share her stories and creativity to invoke a positive change in the world. I love that. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Sahar Kashur and check out Enchanto now to see her work. I absolutely love talking to Sahar. We talked about the influence of storytelling, how automation and robotics engineering collaborate, you know, within the films and park experiences. And then we go into some math and Sahar represents 26% of women animators in the entire country. I know not. I mean, get into that as well. I can't wait for you to listen. Now, with that said, enjoy today's episode. Sahar, you're a technical animator at Walt Disney Animation Studios based out of Los Angeles, California. And are you originally from there? I'm actually originally from Florida. I went to school. I did my undergraduate degree in Florida and then my master's in Carnegie Mellon University in Pennsylvania. So, and then I went to California for work. So kind of like hopping across the U.S., but (laughs) it's been, yeah, now I'm based out in Los Angeles. How is it living on the West Coast and the East Coast and the cultures and everything like that? Is it hard to adapt to or what are your thoughts on that? I definitely felt like, because I, I grew up in Florida, so there was definitely that like sunny weather and kind of the things that I had in Florida, like there was definitely like a culture change from that. And then going to like grad school in Pittsburgh, where it was like a lot of hustle and bustle and like riding the like buses and everything and having a culture change from like going from a commuting and such with like without a car and stuff. So I definitely like got wind of a lot of 
those kinds of opportunities and being away out of state and then going to the West Coast, I, I definitely feel like there is like that another culture change too and, and weather change. It was funny going from Florida to Pittsburgh where I never had snow and then going back to LA and like the weather is different too, but I definitely think the people in the work environment where I had uh, the industry out here and technology is what kind of called me out here and having that opportunity to like work in these collaborative environments, especially like the our the Walt Disney Animation Studios is based out here. So it, it was it was very I'm very thankful to have that opportunity to work in that field. What's your favorite place you've lived so far? I really enjoy actually living out um, here in LA. I I feel like being kind of in a the Burbank area I have that environment of being able to go out to the mountains and then I can like there, you can drive out and go out to the beach. So and then there's snow like um, out there. So it's definitely really nice to have that environment of California and the environment to be so open to different opportunities and then the the work environment I, I feel like I can experience that interdisciplinary art and tech world that I hadn't had before and it everyone uh, is very gracious to work with and collaborate with and yeah I, I really I really like that feeling and that atmosphere I don't know. So I've never been to California. The the more the most west I've been is Arizona, and I because I am from Long Island and have like that New York hustle. I guess you could say is I would be like I want I want to work really fast paced, and I feel like I would want to I'd be eager because but at the same time I also as stereotypical as this is can be like more relaxed and I just feel like on the east coast we're really like freaking hyper for no apparent reason and like very just like crazy stimulated as you just saw me I said I had four cups of coffee and one slice of pizza so I'm insanely jittery at the moment but I feel like I'd be I want to be out there but I'd be nervous that I couldn't adapt to the culture uh, I definitely can understand like when I was up north there was like a coffee shop on every corner and it was really like a really kind of nice pace as well to experience so I definitely think there is there's always like some kind of like whatever city for me like where I find myself living in there's definitely some adaptability there but the, I think each city has its own like beautiful history or story behind it and yeah that's really optimistic so what got you into animation storytelling illustration I think ever since I was a young girl I was always uh, drawn to storytelling and really enjoyed creating I was always trying to make something create something I kind of entered into engineering and that became kind of the path for me. And then as I was working in STEM, I found myself always drawn to try to apply my artistic senses into it. And I became very passionate about combining art and technology together. So I ended up in my undergrad majoring in computer science, engineering, and art. And I love fusing that interdisciplinary nature together. And then when I did my master's, I was trying to 
see how I can apply that in the world of tech. And there were so many opportunities in like animation, uh, robotics, video games, and tech. And I actually found myself drawn to uh, Walt Disney Imagineering, which is where I started in my first Disney internship. And I was doing some design and then I went to audio animatronics. So I ended up getting more of a robotics background. And then I pivoted into applying that into animation. So I feel like throughout these roles and like my trajectory, I've always just really enjoyed applying storytelling into it. And I think that's just something that just, I feel like brings so much joy to everyone. We, I think are always drawn to like watching movies or playing games or seeing how we can connect with other people. So I think that's where like my love of animation really blossomed is like, how can I make something really immersive for making experiences for other people that could bring them joy? Or how can I tell a story through medium like animation? So I've gone through the Disney Institute for customer service, where we learned about Disney and the garbage can story, which I thought was like phenomenal. I don't know if you remember that or if they even taught that. But the the four keys about if you you could say everyone's mission is to create happiness. So uh, I think it's really, really interesting in the way that I they go through what the internship program and what the university is like for their employees. And I can I can't even imagine what's inside that. I'm sure it was very educational. Yeah, I think starting off in like the internship program was a really great opportunity. I had the opportunity to kind of work with a mentor and kind of uh, lay out projects that I was interested in working on and then like finessing that that I think that opportunity allowed me to kind of share like what I was interested in working on and having ownership of a project was a really cool experience to have and empowering as well, which led to like further opportunities down the line. I definitely think there's so many vast areas that can be entered into at the company and across so many different things. Like now that like there's like Disney plus and then theme parks and all of it. So I think it's like, and this can apply to like other companies and industries as well and entertainment. So yeah, I definitely feel like it's also what you make the opportunity to be, but having that, those programs really helped kind of onboard me and find my niche, I would say. So I'm going to backtrack for the listeners, but so the Disney Institute is made up of multiple different components. So they take you inside of like how Disney operates because their external and internal experiences are so unique and people, you know, so they wanted to bring that secret sauce or that magic to other organizations. So you can do like a seven day onsite and go through multiple, you know, go through private trainings. Then they also tour. So like chamber of commerce will, will have different themes depending on what part of the section of the Institute. And then you can get a certificate that day and go through a program and, and things like that. So I've gone through that. So do you know the garbage can story I'm talking about? 
Have you I'm heard this? Sure if I'm familiar with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I learned was, and this is completely paraphrasing, but when Walt Disney would, I don't know if it was him or someone he hired, but he would get someone to monitor the front of the park. So what he came to find out was that at a hundred feet, a parent or a child would drop their wrappers, right? So what he then did was put garbage cans. So when you walk into the park, even today, there's garbage cans every hundred feet. So you always have a place because he didn't like trash. So he also was the first to make a cover for the garbage can. So traditionally, like at fairs back in that time, and we've seen them where you just throw stuff in basket in the basket and it overflows, but he didn't want the exposure of that because it lessened the experience and it was gross. So he actually worked independently with a garbage can manufacturer that where you now, you know, like the flappy part of a garbage can that you can't see it, but he never patented it. So can you imagine being the first one to make a covered garbage can and don't patent it? Like he does have the park though. (laughs) He does have a multimedia, his family has multimedia, things like that. But I found that I just remembered that and I thought it was really cool. So that was part of the whole customer experience. Oh yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I find that super, I found that super interesting. But so you're working on tons of different projects and I've seen your portfolio and it's really cool. So very strange question, but I don't know how animation works. So for you worked on Bell, for example, for the Tokyo Disneyland ride experience, correct? Didn't yeah, but yeah, there, there was a, yeah, for Tokyo Disneyland, Beauty and the Beast, there was a variety of audio animatronics. So I provided support to like those robots figures for Belle and some of the smaller ones and the Beast. So yeah, it was a really cool experience to be able to work with that and collaborate with variety of folks like engineers, artists, uh, costuming, special effects for the theme parks. So how does it work? Is it, I obviously it's software first, but are you coding it? Are you using something like, are you actually building it in layers? Like I would in Photoshop in a sense, like, can you kind of just take us through like a high level process of how automation is made? Sure. Yeah. In my previous role, when I was at Imagineering, kind of my role there, I was working um, as an audio animatronics programmer. So in that role, I will work with the folks from the animation studios. In this case, for that specific attraction, it was Walt Disney Animation Studios. And you kind of retrieve the storytelling and the character design, for example, for Beauty and the Beast, because that story originated from that studio. And then after you kind of get the idea of the animatronic that you want to put into the park and the story for that ride then we work with animation to come up with what can be feasible because sometimes the uh, feature film animation is a lot different than robotic animation so articulating the character is a lot different and then from there when we come up with like a design then we work with mechanical engineering and so many different facets of engineering to come up with where we will put different areas that we want to articulate the character 
And then um, in my role, I will take that design and actually rig it virtually and then program it. There will actually be kind of a robotic test bed right in front of me. So that, that was a really cool thing about that role was I can work on the rigging and animation on the computer. But once the audio animatronic like mechanical parts are engineered and it doesn't have to be fully costumed. So it's really funny to see it without costuming and skin on and stuff. But prior to that, I, I will use the proprietary robotic software to kind of code and to test my rigs and animations on the figure and to make sure it can articulate and there's a variety of things that throughout the testing process that is done, but a high level overview would be to kind of uh, look for safety, making sure that the figure is articulating properly and it's safe for guests, making sure it can hit as much as it can of the intended animation. But there are limits for a robotic figure, which are definitely in development and technology now. So like trying to make it as lifelike as possible. And then once that's done, another thing I would do would be install it in the parks overnight, which is was a really cool experience. So there, that's figure programming installation, and that'll be actually put into the park. And that's where you really get to test the environment, because once we move it from the warehouse to the park, then it's a much different testing scenario. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely like a lot of phases of the figure, but from there, like costuming, we'll put it on and I have to like test it to make sure if it works with costuming because that's like another kind of a testing phase of that. And yeah, I, I think throughout there, we'll partner with special effects and other departments to make really bring the character to life in the park. How long does that take from start um, to finish? I think it varies for what figures have more functionality or maybe facial animation for example like the Navi and Pandora like I would say definitely had much more rigging controls and that could take anywhere from like one to two years but something with something smaller that could take maybe around six months I think it really varies on depending on like the character how many characters there are or where they're placed into the park. The theme park attractions definitely can take like pitching that idea to higher ups and then like having those in the park. Uh, the It can take several years sometimes for that to like fully come to life and come to the vision. But yeah, I would say it really depends on the complexity of the figure that we're installing. Mm -hmm. So you said that that was a previous role. So what are you working on today? Right now, I'm doing technical animation at Walt Disney Animation Studio. So I actually just wrapped up on Encanto, which is a, like coming out in Thanksgiving. And it was really exciting to be able to work on the animation and cloth and hair for that movie. And then I'm also working on right now Baymax and Zootopia Plus, which are like kind of additional spin-off stories from the original ones like coming to Disney Plus and also a short circuit which is kind of like an independent short made up of artists at the studio so yeah it's like a couple of projects underway <laughs> so you're you were doing 
and maybe it's still happening, but you were really focusing on the park experience rides and now you're working more on actual films. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I would say it was more of an engineering like in the theme parks area and where I can apply my skills like both virtually and physically. And like now I have more of an uh, that art and technology fusion and working on feature films at the studio. Do you like that more? I think both were really cool experiences. Like I think I like I kind of how I mentioned before, like with robotics animation, the figures can be very complex and there's a lot of innovation happening for audio animatronic figures, especially ones that are getting more lifelike, like the Marvel and the Galaxy's Edge figures. But at the animation studio, there's a lot more opportunity for things that to articulate a character fully and to not have that limitation of a mechanical product. So I think that both are super exciting in their own facets for sure. And yeah, right now I'm really excited to be working on some of my favorite films and beloved characters. So yeah, it's really, um, really thankful for that. Are you also in school? I, yeah, I graduated from, with my master's about two years ago. For some reason, I thought you said you were in school and you're like, oh, I, when we rescheduled and I, and for some reason, I thought you were still in in school for something. Maybe not. I apologize. Maybe I misinterpreted that. Oh, no, no, that's all right. No, yeah, I, I went from like my undergrad straight to my master's and then from my master's, like I started doing like a co-op role and converted to full-time and then went into these roles here and yeah I think when we were working on Encanto we were working varied hours trying to get this movie to be as beautiful as possible so sometimes my schedule isn't my own (laughs) oh I get that I get that what is your if you're not in it today like where do you want to be like where I don't know the type of what's it called? Like animation hierarchy. Like, I don't know how that works, but what's your like dream job? Oh yeah. Well, what's really cool about my department is that within the technical direction for characters, I'm doing a lot of technical animation right now. And it's really exciting to be in the animation department to bring these characters to life. And I think there's a variety of roles that excite me, that speak to me. I would love to like grow my skills and help lead my team in some fashion for the film product. And I hope like over time, as I get to know like more departments and more teams that I could go um, into directing and uh, deeper into like the storytelling aspect yeah because I absolutely love that but I feel like right now I'm finessing the art and engineering side of it but I I hope over time with more experience and confidence that I can rise into director level role and really be able to bring because one thing that's my favorite about um, animation is that sometimes I feel like we're able to have more empathy and more emotion when we're watching a film and that allows us to be unbiased in some ways when we're so I think that's one thing that's my favorite about animation is like being able to tell a story and that way and like you can reach millions of people so I I'd love to be able to tell a story and um, direct it one day (laughs) you will totally get there 
Absolutely. <laughs> so Zipia.com, I've never used them before, but they they consider themselves their career expert. And then anything on top of Google, I also find very credible. So I did, I'm probably going to butcher this math, but we're going to try it anyway. So there's, they said that there's 7,091 animators currently employed in the United States. 26% of the animators are women and while 65% are men. So I did the math that 26% of the 7,091 is only 1,844 women. That's not a lot. That's less than the undergrad at my private college, my small private college. So I have to ask, like being in a male dominated field, how does it feel to have such an influence as a woman in STEM? Uh, I definitely feel like, yeah, there is a lot of uh, male dominated uh, field, especially in the industry. I've noticed that as I've gone on from when I was in school, even my engineering courses, and then actually in the field too, I think that it's been helpful to have mentors or kind of allies in the field to kind of help empower me. And in that vein, I, I hope and try to empower my own colleagues as well. And I feel like having that diversity and animation is really helpful, especially to be able to tell those stories and I know there's like active movements, especially in the organizations I'm in to bring more, but there, there is a lot of work to be done for sure. So I, yeah, I hope I'm trying to like do my part in like mentoring students or just kind of being able to tell those diverse stories and sitting in study groups. So I too can embrace those cultures and diverse stories as well. So I would say it's partly, sometimes it's difficult, but I, I do think that those challenges like do make us stronger and somebody has to do it. And by doing that, you pave more doors for other people. What advice do you have for younger women who are thinking about getting into STEM or animation? I would definitely say to utilize your background as your talent, use it as your superhero ability, because that could really, anything that you may perceive as a weakness or something that you might be shy about or anxious about, you can actually turn that into your, your superhero ability. And that can actually help impact many people and bring so much positive joy to others. I also love the book, The Last Lecture by Randy Pausch, who was a professor at Carnegie Mellon and a previous Imagineer. And he always said, have something to bring to the table. It will make you more valuable. And I really love that quote. And I also like to add to it and allowing to bring a chair to the table can make room for other people to join you at the table. So yeah, I would really say just to keep honing in on your skills and to find that superhero ability that is intrinsically yours and then extrinsically always believe in yourself and others will see it over time too. I said on the podcast, I think we posted it once, that sometimes too, instead of getting a seat at the table, just bring the table. 
sometimes you have to set that standard and not be afraid to set that type of precedent as well, because then you're setting the standard for others that are going to come after you or might be looking up to something like that, but they're just not brave enough or don't have the confidence to do that. So I can absolutely understand that. And can you say that book one more time? Because I'm going to link it in your episode description. Oh, sure. It's the last lecture by Randy Pausch. And it was like the lecture that he had at Carnegie Mellon University. So uh, yeah, it's definitely very inspirational. And I hope folks can check it out. <laughs> yeah. Who are your biggest influences? I would <laughs> actually heavily inspired by Randy Pausch when I read his book and that inspired me to work toward my childhood dreams and then going to Carnegie Mellon and getting working toward Imagineering. I would also say my family is a really good source of inspiration and I'm just very always inspired by like beautiful storytelling out there. I'm always very moved by uh, stories. So yeah, I think there's a lot of love and, and gratitude there. And I'm very thankful for, for that. Was stories something like as part of your childhood? Yeah, I would say so. I think I had growing up, I would always love drawing and always love making things and putting it together. So I always like ended up making uh, stories and trying to come up with ideas. And I think over time, it's funny, as I went into STEM, I kind of uh, turned that into, I'd say, STEAM, where that movement of STEAM. So I I think that having that storytelling infusion helps elevate those experiences that um, I'm fortunate to create. And I've seen many talented folks create as well. All right. So coming to the end, we ask the same thing for everyone who comes on the podcast. And that is, what is one thing that you've experienced that everyone should go through? That's a really good question. I think I would never want anyone to feel lonely or to be alone, but I I do think having that experience of living out in a city, like on your own and being able to kind of grow yourself as your own person especially if you're trying to forge your own identity, having that experience of being able to find out what you really love and what you really like. And that's something I'm personally on my own growth still as I'm growing. So I think having that experience is very important and can really help you grow into your own person. You you can change your narrative. It's very powerful to have that. So yeah, I would, I would say just being able to experience and create your own identity could be a very empowering tool in whatever field you're in. I love that. And I agree with you. I've experienced something like that myself of being alone in a city that's not your, your hometown and your family is far and finding support and finding yourself is has definitely grown. I think it's very underestimated and not many people do it, but you really learn so much about yourself. Definitely. Thank you for uh, emphasizing and for sharing. Yeah, I definitely feel like it can, it's also another challenge, but like, as we talked about, can like make you stronger. And yeah, I, I think it's definitely a really cool experience to feel too, once you're, you're in your element.
<laughs> awesome. Well, to see Sahar's work that has impacted people all over the world, go to saharkoster.com and follow her on Instagram and at Twitter. So Sahar, this was so, so cool. You are officially a lady with lions. Welcome to the community of strong, confident, brave women. I know for a fact that when people see what you're doing and listen to this episode, whether it's going into imagination or being able to imagine and manifest themselves into what they want to be, you will be an influence in that. So thank you so much for coming today and sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really great experience. It was wonderful meeting you. Yes, you too. Thank you. 